die transformatietafel wordt met trots geborg door Maxflex Cables. You are listening to the Transformation Table, where we talk about God's business. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody on the on the um, Zoom meeting this morning, um, and everybody that's going to be listening in a little bit later. Um, we've got uh, we've got quite a nice team here on on Zoom this morning, and uh, excited to to hear what uh, what what Blackie is going to share with us. Um, we we were just talking about uh, us uh, Afrikaans guys struggling with the English. I've stopped in being embarrassed about it um, because we have to share with each other in in the larger aspect. You know, the, this message, the the gospel is 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 not uh, exclusively for one language or one one anything. Uh, it is for everyone and. Um, so we we try and stick to um, to English, which I think is possibly more universal, and especially for you, as you said, there is people that's listening in that could be in a different country, different continent, and um, and you know, in respect for them, we we assume that most people will be uh, will understand English. And of course, uh, Blackie, it's easy to ask you to speak English because your name is um, is English, uh, Blackie. <laughs> <laughs> so, Blackie, please go ahead. Um, uh, we're eager to hear what what you what the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart. And um, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you, Menzo. Thank you, guys, to have me with you this morning. Uh, it's a privilege. It's always a privilege to share the good news of uh, the gospel to people. Um, I've been in ministry now since 1984. Um, I was trained as a, a pharmacist at Pochestruum University. Um, and then a big change in my life came in 1974 when uh, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. And, uh, and then in 1982, I got a calling for full-time ministry. I uh, joined Campus Crusade for Christ, and uh, I was with them for 25 years. Uh, so, uh, and the Lord took me to many places. My wife and I had the privilege to be in approximately 45 countries in the world. Um, so it, it's been such a privilege to not only minister in South Africa, but also to minister uh, a lot of our time we spent in North Africa. Uh, in the, and the Middle East, working amongst the, the people groups there. But, uh, and then the past uh, 10 years, uh, the Lord called me to a ministry in Mauritius. Uh, some people, if I say I, I ministered in Mauritius, they, they say, wow, that's like in paradise. But, uh, you know, I found out Mauritius was definitely, of all the countries that I worked in, has been spiritually the most difficult country to work in. You know, they have over 50% Hindus and about 7% Muslims. And um, so it's not an easy country to work in, but it's been a privilege. So uh, to being with you this morning, thank you very much for allowing me. As uh, Freak said, I, I gave this message last Tuesday at the group here in Pretoria. And uh, so I'm, uh, I hope for some guys, I know some of the guys here this morning have been there. And uh, so now you can check on me, okay? <laughs> and you can correct me if I leave out anything, Peter. <laughs> be free to stop me uh, if I if I duplicate anything that I shouldn't be doing. Yes, uh, you know, uh, on the 11th of June, uh, they ran the Comrades Marathon. It was from Peter Maritzburg to Durban. And, um, you know, it's, it's always exciting uh, to, to watch it. And um, I couldn't watch all of it. I saw the beginning until the two winners came in on the men and the women's side. And then I also watched the last like half an hour again. And, uh, but, you know, uh, it was a tremendous race for, for the winners. Uh, Gerda Stein and uh, Tete Dijana, they, they both ran records. Uh, record that they broke by far. I mean, it was exceptional. 
And, um, you know, for that, they, they received uh, tremendous uh, trophies. Uh, they received medals. And, of course, they also received the handsome prize money, which was more than a million. So that was not too bad for five and a half hours of work. But uh, but I can I can assure you, if you want to run in five and a half hours, you most probably have put in about 5,000 hours to do that. So, so uh, yeah, it, but it was tremendous. And, of course, there were fifteen to 16,000 others that ran as well uh, that completed the race. And they also all received a little medal. Now, I, I, I ran a couple of comrades. And one thing about um, the comrades, I feel they always keep you humble because of all the races that you can run, you receive the smallest medal at the comrades. <laughs> you would think that's the longest race. You should get the biggest co- uh, medal, but it's it's like uh, almost like the size of our five-rand piece. So it's a very small medal, but that's fine. They all received medals, and there are different medals. You get... The first 10 guys, they get uh, gold medals and the 10 ladies. And then you, if you run it below seven and a half hours, you get a silver medal. And then there are still three other categories of medals as well, which is is great. And uh, I think if you've, I think we've all taken notice of some of the really uh, champions of the comrades through the years. I think of Bruce Fordyce, who won it nine times, eight times in succession. Uh, I think of Wally Hayward, the great Wally Hayward. He ran his last comrades when he was 79. Can you believe it? And he and he beat more than half of the field. So uh, amazing guy. And then uh, this year we had a guy from Valcom there uh, called Louis Massain. And he ran his 48th comrades this year in succession and completed it. So those are tremendous uh, things that happened. But, uh, and I don't know if, if any of you guys have run the Comrades. I, uh, if, if you can just wave your hand if, you, if you're online or you've run marathons. But, uh, but you will know if you run Comrades or if you've run Comrades or any ultra marathon or, or marathon for that sake, uh, there are a lot of emotions that, that go with it because um, it's, a, it's a long time on the road. You've spent a lot of time in training. There are ups and downs. There are heartaches. Uh, it's a struggle. It's not fun and games if you run, if you have to run. You know, those guys run in five and a half hours. Our mere mortals, we try and do it in 12 hours. Uh, so it's 12 hours on the road. And with this comes a lot of pain, but there also comes a lot of joy. Uh, but uh, it's not all fun and games. But, you know, uh, and that's why the, the conclusion, and that's also the slogan of uh, the comrades, it's called the ultimate human race. Uh, and and I think of all the races, most probably in the world, uh, it is the ultimate human race. But you know what does the writer of the uh, Ecclesiastes say about this, Prediker? He says, all of it is of no meaning, a chase after wind. Afrikaans say, alles komt tot niks, dit is alles a gejaag na wind. Uh, and that is a sad conclusion. To, to this because uh, everything that they've achieved there, all the medals that they've received, all the allocates that they've received is of absolutely of no value in a spiritual context. And nothing that they achieved has any eternal value. They won't be able to take it with them one day if they should leave planet Earth. they uh, It's not going to count to their credit when they get there. Uh, they say Peter stands at the gate, and I don't know uh, where that comes from, but I suppose he does. And he's not going to ask you how many comrades did you run, what was your time. Uh, maybe I will uh, allow you to enter on the basis of what you've achieved there. And that's not only for the comrades marathon. That's also in the race of life. Uh, we are involved in, I believe, what we can call the ultimate race. And that is the race that starts when you are born. And that is the race that will end the day that the Lord comes to fetch you. And uh, that's the important race, because that is the race that will count towards eternal value and into eternity. And uh, the, the scripture that I want to hold before us this morning is from Hebrews 12. And I'm going to read a portion from verses 1 and 2. All the reading I'll do this morning is from the NIV translation. Uh, so I'm just going to read it. If you want to follow it, you, you're more than welcome. Uh, 
the writer of the Hebrews says the following. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, we're going to come back to this uh, scripture later on. Uh, but there are a couple of uh, of things here that I'd just like us to highlight. Uh, he says, while we are running, we have a cloud of witnesses. We know it, comrades. And everybody that has run comrades would say the, the people, that uh, the spectators are there to, to really uh, help you to, to finish because they, they motivate you and they help you along the way. So that, he also says, in this race, we also have a cloud of witnesses. And then he says, let us throw off everything that hinders, especially sin, because if you if you run a race like that, you cannot be entangled with other things. You 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 run as light as possible, because it's a long way uh, to run. Then he also says we have to run with perseverance. That's very important, and I'm going to focus quite a lot on that this morning. And of course, the main thing in this race of life that we are running is that we should have our focus on Jesus, the, the beginning and the end of our race. Now, you know, to, to run comrades, to be able to run comrades, there are some conditions that you have to apply, that you have to uh, be uh, available to qualify for the comrades. And uh, and I just want to use this because I'm also going to, at the end, I'm going to come back to the qualifications for for the ultimate spiritual human race. Now, you know, to enter comrades, first of all, you have to qualify in a marathon or an ultra marathon. So there's a qualification. Uh, these days, you have to run a marathon in five and a half hours, and the ultra marathon, which is usually about 50 kilometers, you have to run within six hours. So we know this year, 25 people were disqualified even before the comrades started because they, they tried to get in uh, with qualifications that were not valid. So, uh, yes, but there's a qualification. That's one of the qualifications. The other thing is, of course, you have to enter the race. <laughs> you cannot just pitch up on the day. You, you've got to enter the race, and there's a fee to pay. It's quite a hefty fee these days, but you have to pay. That's uh, You have to fill in a form. You've got to be accepted, and you've got to pay a fee. And then, of course, the, the, the most important thing is you must start. <laughs> okay, uh, To enter and to pay your fee does not get you into the race. Uh, and we know every year there are a couple of thousand people that enter because you can enter about a year in advance. So some people, for some reason, just don't uh, pitch up on the day. So, yeah, you have to start this race. That's, uh, I think, one of the three, some of the three main qualifications that you must have for this. Now, you know, uh, we can learn a lot of lessons from life. And I think that's why Jesus was so effective in his preaching, uh, because he used parables. And the parables were real-life situations which people could uh, identify with. And that made it, made it so, uh, so, so had such a, a tremendous impact because people could associate with that. They could understand it. They, the emotions that they had because of these situations, they could understand and they could apply it into their lives. And that was what, what Jesus did. He used real-life situations so that people could apply it in the spiritual context that he was preaching to them. Now, uh, in, in the comrades that I've run, I, I had the privilege to run a couple. But I've been involved with comrades for more than 20 years, either running or coaching people to run. I also did a lot of assistance there. And, uh, and of course, I've been watching comrades for, for, for a long time. But I can really say, uh, and I praise God for that, because I always ask this question, you know, was this just a, a human desire of mine to run comrades? And yes, most probably it was in one way. But the other thing, you know, God makes work work everything for the good for those who, who love him. And and he used the comrades uh, to teach me a lot of life lessons. And uh, and he's still doing it. Even this past comrades that I watched, I, I was so amazed uh, of the life lessons that I could learn from them. So what I want to share with you today is just my experience. But what I want to experience is that there are three main objectives that I have found that it's uh, applicable to the comrades, but it's also applicable in this human race of spiritual race that we are running. 
And I'm going to share that with you and just expand a bit on it. And I'm going to start off with the first thing, and that is it must be a goal. You must have a goal to do this. There must be some some reason why you are doing it. It must be something like a, a maybe a, a passion. It might be a desire. It might be a calling. Because you don't just run the, the comrades or any uh, ultra marathon just because for the fun of it. <laughs> uh, something drives you. There's, there's a passion. There's something that you wake up in the morning and, and you feel this is what, what it's all about. And I'm going to give all my my effort I'm going to put to achieve this goal. So you, it must be something that you want to achieve. I, I remember my my last comrades, uh, and I will also refer to that later on, I didn't finish. I finished it, but I didn't finish it in time because I was really not motivated. I At that time, I, I just did it for uh, an alternative reason uh, and uh, and I just didn't have the the uh, yeah the drive for that uh, yes uh, so it was even a much more tougher day for me that day but you must have a passion for it and our passion of course is Jesus Christ and and I'm I'm going to just uh, refer to a couple of scriptures you know uh, Paul Paul writes a lot he uses uh, sport quite a lot you know some people say no sport is uh, evil Sport is uh, sinful, but uh, then Paul he refers quite quite often in his letters. He, he refers to athletes. He refers to boxers, and we even found in this portion that we that we read this morning from Hebrews, it's, we must run this race that is being set before us with perseverance. So yes, uh, let's have a look at a couple of these scriptures that Paul mentions, and let's just see. He's focused because that's wonderful. Because we know people. Uh, Paul was a driven man. Paul Paul lived for one thing, and he said to live is Christ and to to die is gain. So he lived for Christ. So let's listen here. First one is from Philippians one verse twenty one. He says, "For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain." So everything else didn't matter for him. It was to live for Christ. Then I want to read from Colossians three. Verses 1 and 2, he says here, Since then you have been raised from, with, from the death from death with Christ. Set your heart on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the earthly things. That is the focus. That is the ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal, and I always find that, that last letter written in, uh, in uh, Revelation, to the last church here, it says, and those who complete this race, they will be seated next to Christ in heaven. That's where we are running for. I'm running to be seated next to Christ. That should be my, my life goal. Uh, then I want to read from Philippians 3, verse 7 and 8. And Paul gives us a bit of a, 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 a CV that he had uh, about his life. And we know he mentions there, he said, I was... Born, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was an Israelite. I was a, a Benjaminite. I was born from the, the tribe of Benjamin. I was a, from the Hebrew tribe, and I was a Pharisee. So he had all the qualifications to be really a top guy. <laughs> but then he writes in Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8, he says the, the following. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything, and I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. So all these qualifications that he had, everything that people sort of uh, tapped him on the shoulder for, for which he received some accolades, says it's rubbish. It's rubbish. The old translation in Afrikaans said it's drak. <laughs> uh, they don't use that word anymore, but drak doesn't sound good to me. But uh, it's it's rubbish. He said that's rubbish. Uh, that's that I I I put I put behind me. And then in Philippians three, also from this thirteen and fourteen, he continues and he says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what are what is behind and straining towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me in heaven in Christ Jesus. So he's running this race to achieve this goal 
that and this calling that Christ has given. But you know, for us to 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 get to this point where Paul was to say, I'm gonna leave everything behind, uh, the biggest challenge for you and for me, and that's the challenge I had to go through in 1982, was to die to myself. Because since I got to know the Lord in 74 until 82, I, I started the business. Uh, I was very heavily involved in cultural things. I was involved in sport. And those were my priorities. Those were the things that I lived for. My business, I worked. And yes, uh, as far as my priorities were concerned, um, God was there. He's definitely one of my priorities, but he was not in the top three. <laughs> uh, all these other things were, were, to me, more important. You know, And even my, my wife and my children, they were very much lower down on my list of priorities. And uh, it was only in 1982 when I was confronted, like Jacob was confronted there uh, by by the angel of the Lord, uh, and I wrestled with the Lord. The Lord said to me, I, I want to be number one. I want to be first. Uh, I want you to sacrifice everything that you do now for my sake. And I can tell you, it took me a whole Saturday afternoon, which I struggled with the Lord. I really, in the spirit, struggled with the Lord because I didn't want to let go because these were the important things. This made up my life. And, you know, uh, if you wrestle, if you if you arm press the Lord, guess who's going to lose, you know? So it took the whole afternoon. And eventually, late afternoon, the sun was setting. And I, I just said, okay, Lord, okay. Take it. Take it everything. You can have it. I, I I now surrender my everything to you. All my things that were dear to me, I now surrender to you. And uh, yes, and that is where I really believe God really changed, made a big change in my life. Yes, I was born again in 1974, but that's where the great change came in my life. And just after that, I also received my calling for, from the Lord to come into full-time uh, service for him. But uh, it reminds me of Romans 12, verses 1. And I'm just going to read a portion from it uh, where uh, Paul writes, he says, uh, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, we have some sisters here today, but I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You've got to put yourself on, on the altar. And you've got to put yourself completely in the, on the altar. You cannot put a portion on the altar. If you if you sacrifice a, a, an animal in in the Old Testament, they didn't sacrifice a portion of it and then took the rest off the altar. No, they, they it was burned to, to ashes. And uh, and that's what God is expecting of us. It's it's all or nothing. It's not ninety nine percent. It's not seventy five percent. It is hundred percent. And and that's where you have to start. You have to start with, first of all, placing yourself completely on the altar and say, Lord, here I am, take me, I'm totally at your service. I'm totally there to follow you in, in everything. And, uh, you know, uh, that changed my priorities completely. I, I left that weekend and I made God my first priority. And after that, I made my wife my second priority. I made my children my third priority. And I made my work my fourth priority. And uh, now you would say, but where does the church come in? Well, uh, I made the church my fifth priority, which might shock some of you. But that was nothing to do with my relationship with God. <laughs> it was just the service in the church. Because, you know, we can become so involved sometimes that in our local church, that the church becomes a higher priority than, than God, you know, because you, you think you can still earn some uh, some accolades by working in a church. But in any case, then the other priorities like my sport and, and my relaxation and all those other things, people said, what happened to that? Well, I didn't have time for it anymore. <laughs> if I, when I gave all my time to God and to my wife and to my children and then only fourthly my work, there was just not time for this anymore. But God in his grace said to me, no, you can still play squash and you can still uh, go sailing and those type of things. But that was really when when I could feel everything else was laid on the side, then I could, could go there. So that's the goal. You must have something, the passion that drives you to, to achieve your goal. And in our case, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then 
Hebrews 12 should be your goal as well to say, but it's uh, Christ and Christ alone. Now, the next uh, objective that I found was very important in this uh, race that I'm running for, for the Lord is discipline. The word discipline. Now, you know, the word discipline and disciple are very close to each other if you put it down on paper and you spell it. Okay. Uh, and I've just found out if I want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, if I want to be a follower, I've got to have discipline, spiritual discipline in my life. Because if you don't have it, you're not going to you're not going to attain your goal. And I just want to refer again back to to comrades. You know, if you want to run comrades uh, before the race, uh, there's a lot of training that has to be done. Uh, in my time, if you had to want to run the comrades in eleven hours, the ball mark was you have to put in about a thousand hours of training from first of January until you run the comrades, which at those days were usually towards the end of May. Now, I tell you, to run a 1,000 kilometers in that time, that means you have to run five to six times a week. Uh, so that means you have to get up every morning. You have to get up maybe at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock, do your hour of running, or you have to do it after work. And you cannot get home and say, oh, you know, I don't feel like running today. Let's go and just have a nice cup of coffee. Well, you're going to pay the price. <laughs> If you do that so there's a lot of discipline that goes into your training and that's also it goes into your 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 things in your life like your diet i mean if you want to run comrades you you cannot just overindulge because you know every kilo that you have that you are carrying with you you have to carry it for 87.7 kilometers now i can tell you today go and take your milk bottle or take two two liters of milk bottle and carry it with you for 12 hours today and then you will say at the end of the day, gee, well, let's just get rid of this. This is killing me. Now, that's the same. You have to watch something like you died. You have to really adjust your whole lifestyle to achieve this goal. You know, you have to go to bed early. Uh, I remember one evening, it was just before, I think, one of my first races ever. I was uh, spending time with a good friend. He's already done comrades 10 times. And, and it, we ran late into the night and we had a lot of lacquer flesh, you know, chops and so on. And he said to me, uh, you're going to pay a price tomorrow. I'm going to tell you now, tomorrow you're going to suffer because of tonight. And I thought, oh, no, man, what's it? Uh, no, it's not that important. And I can tell you the next day I suffered. So your whole life, you have to adjust so that you can achieve this. And then, of course, when you run the comrades, uh, you know, if you decide to run it in 11 hours, you've got to work out how, how, what your pace must be. Um, so uh, you've, if you work out your pace, you must also know what are you going to eat along the, the route because you have to hydrate, you have to get supplements to keep you going because it's a, it's a long day. And uh, if you don't do that, uh, if you don't run according to, to a certain pace chart, I always had a pace chart that gave me a time where I should be every five kilometers. And if I saw at one five kilometer mark, I was a bit slow, then I would pick up my pace a bit. If I'm a bit too fast, I'll slow down again. And that's what uh, Gerda Stein said at the end of her race. Uh, when she achieved this goal, she said, I ran my splits. She knew exactly every kilometer where at time you will always see a runner if they run they always watch looking a quick look quick look at their watches because they are pacing themselves and that takes discipline you know uh, and my last comrades which i i didn't finish i finished it but i didn't finish in time was because i was the undisciplined at the at the point where i had to meet my wife to give me supplements uh, i felt very good it was only 20 kilometers to go i felt a hundred percent and I felt, I don't see her now. I'm not going to waste time to wait for her. And you know what? And when I ran across my split there, I was within one minute of my split. So I felt very good. And I thought, no, was, this is in the bag. And about uh, one minute later on, the people had to carry me off the track and put me on the side. I just, my body just closed down completely. My blood sugar just fell completely because I was undisciplined to get the food stuff that I needed for that. And I had to walk the rest of the way. I couldn't run again. And that's why I came late. So that's uh, that's uh, that's what is so important, discipline, but also in the spiritual race. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2. He writes about this as well. And I'm going to read it here. 2 Timothy 2 verses 4 and 5. He says, 
No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs because he wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. <laughs> there Paul spells it out very clearly for us. You've, if you're a, a soldier, you do everything, you leave your, your earthly things that are of interest to you, you leave behind to be a good soldier because you want to satisfy your commander. And who is our commander? Our commander is Jesus Christ. And we must leave everything behind to, to, uh, to serve him and to satisfy him. Now, the spiritual disciplines, and I'm just going to run through this. This is something one can spend a lot of time on. But I think some of the spiritual disciplines that we need in our life, and the first one, of course, I believe, is the word of God. God's word should be your first, your first discipline. Now, to read the Bible, we... Uh, you know, we've got to discipline ourselves. You know, some mornings you wake up and you wake up late and you have a long day and then you think to yourself, mm, I'll, I'll, I'll read again tomorrow morning or uh, I'll catch up this evening or something. You know, uh, I've just found out in my life it doesn't work. When I got to follow the Lord with all my heart, I just realized before I go to work every morning, I want to spend at least uh, 30 minutes to an hour in the Word. And that meant... I had to get up at five o'clock. That was it, and uh, and that's been my my uh, habit the past uh, almost fifty years. That that is just it. I just know if I don't do it early in the morning, I'm most probably not going to do it in the rest of the day. So it's a discipline. It's a discipline you've got to follow. The next thing, of course, is prayer, and those are the what we call the 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 vertical disciplines. Uh, God speaks to you through his word and also through uh, the word he uses, to, uh, his spirit speaks to you. But we respond through prayer. Prayer is, is conversation with, with Lord. That's important for that relationship. But God has also called us to have a relationship with the people around us, our, our neighbors. And, and that we do by, by, uh, by attending fellowships. We have to have in fellowship like we have this morning. That is so important. The Hebrew writer says, don't stay away from this fellowship as you are, are in the habit of doing, especially as you see the, the end days coming nearer. You know, and I've always thought, why has he put that in? Because in the end days, you know, people who've run the comrades will say to you, the comrades starts at 60 kilometers. The first 60 kilometers you've done, you, you're used to it, you've trained for it. But the, the factor that you have to run, which, which is the difficult part, is from 60 till the end. And if, I don't know, I can't see the picture of everybody here, your age. I look at myself, and uh, Peter, sorry, I have to use you as an example. You know, ons word al lekker grijs. So we most probably passed the 60 kilometer. <laughs> we most probably uh, running for the line. And that's going to be the most difficult portion to run. And that's why in that time, we need the fellowship of other people. That's why he says that in Hebrews 12, while we have such a cloud of witnesses around us, they are the people that encourage us. Now, I don't know if you watched the end of Comrades this year. Uh, in the last couple of minutes, two people came into the stadium. The one was a lady. She was in total agony. I mean, she was running at, at about 45 degrees angle. She couldn't stay upright anymore. But there was an old man. I think his son was also Maria, if I can remember, uh, running next to her. And she was holding on to his shoulder. And, you know, this guy was running his 20th comrades. So he wanted to complete because then he gets uh, what we call a double green number. So it's important for him. But, you know, he sacrificed that. He was prepared to sacrifice that because from when he came into the stadium, he wouldn't leave her. She held on to his shoulder and he supported her until the very end. And they made it by a minute or two, but they made it. But she would never have made it if it wasn't for that guy that was prepared to sacrifice his own priorities for her sake. And that's why we should be in fellowship. That's why God puts us into a, the body of Christ, so that we can have fellowship, so that we can support each other, so that we can complete this race that we are running in. Then the other thing on the horizontal side is also... God has called us to be his ambassadors. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we are a new new person in Christ. We are a new creation in Christ. And then he says, 
And I have called you as ambassadors to take this message of reconciliation to the world. So you and I, uh, the moment you become born again, you are in the race. You can't say, no, no, no. That's that's for the pastors and the priests and the full-time missionaries. No, no. Uh, once you've become a child of God, a follower of Christ, you're in the race. And if you're in the race, you are an ambassador of Christ. And you have no option but to be a testimony, whether you do it through your lifestyle or through your word, but you have been called. So it's very important. And then there are others which I can just quickly mention. You know, uh, I I like to, uh, because I, I was only a pastor for a couple of years, I like to talk about tithing, giving. <laughs> you know, people don't like if a pastor talks about tithing, okay, because they usually think, okay, uh, the, the church's cash flow is not so good. That's why he's talking about tithing this morning. But, you know, if we go and read Malachi 3, God says, you are stealing my money. You are stealing from me. <laughs> what happens with a thief if he's caught stealing? He's put in jail. He doesn't get uh, a reward for that. The opposite is true. And God says, test me in this. Test me in your giving. If I would not open the windows of heaven, and I would really bless you. So giving is is part of the spiritual discipline. You know, when I before I followed the Lord, uh, the deacon would come, and I, in those days, I, I would give him 20 rand. And I then thought, man, this is going to make a big difference in the church's coffers, you know, this 20 rand of mine. And and when I came to the Lord, I was so ashamed that I, that I actually, it was a slap in the face of the Lord that I gave him 20 rand a month because I knew what I was earning. And I would never forget the next time the deacon came around those days, who can remember a checkbook? Okay, we don't know checkbooks anymore. <laughs> I asked my grandchild the other day, do you know what a checkbook is? No, dad, grand, dad, what is that? I've never seen it in my life. But yes, those days we still wrote checks. And I wrote a check and I gave it to the deacon. The next day, the, the Dwemini called me and he said to me, listen, I received this check this morning. Uh, are you sure it's the right amount? And I said, why do I mean? He said, well, uh, this is one of the biggest checks we've ever received in the church. And I said, well, I just tithed. Uh, I gave one-tenth of my income of last month. And uh, you know what? And I've been doing that since 1982. And you know what? I've never have run out of money in my whole life. Yes, sometimes I had not too much. I've never had not food in my house. I've never had not a roof over my head. And I really believe it's because I did not withhold what belonged to the Lord. So tithing is very important, but it's a discipline. It's something that you have to make a decision and to say, I will be disciplined to make sure I give what comes to the Lord. And then we have things like caring and all the other things as well. Uh, but I'm not going to expand on this. But I just think in all of us, in your discipline, you know, there are two sides of it. There's either you're going to be rewarded for your discipline, or there are going to be consequences. If you don't stick to your discipline in your training for comrades, you're not going to finish for comrades. If you run during the comrades and you don't stick to your discipline, then you're not going to finish either. Uh, but if you finish, you are rewarded. And I think in our spiritual race, it's exactly the same. If you do the disciplines, I, which I believe the word spells out very clearly to us, then you will be rewarded. But if you don't, there will be consequences. Uh, and we, we haven't had time to go into that portion at the moment. Then the third, the third objective that I think is so important for us, and that's what we also saw, saw in Hebrews 12, uh, where he says we must run this race with perseverance. Endurance and perseverance is very important. You know, in the comrades, after 60 kilometers, when you get tired, they have these little combis and buses. So if you want to quit, you you just get into this bus and then they tear up, tear up your number so you 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 cannot finish in some other way, and and the big slogan we always had and we taught the people and even running is to the slogan was don't quit. No matter how you feel now, just don't quit. Just put one foot before the next and just continue in the direction where you should be going. And I experienced that uh, more than once. Because I, I, I had a bit of a low blood sugar, my blood sugar would drop. And then I would really feel uh, as if I cannot put one foot before the next. And then I would just have somebody take me in my arm and say, don't quit. Just just continue. 
and then somebody along the road would give me a mari biscuit or a tennis biscuit and I'll eat it and then my blood sugar would pick up again. And then a kilometer further, I will be running again as if I've started. Then I'm all up and going again. But, you know, it took one decision to quit and the race would have been over. This race of us is not a 100-meter dash that we are running. We are running a, a marathon. This spiritual race is a marathon. And don't quit. A very good friend of mine, uh, he was uh, uh, actually a colleague of mine at one stage in the mission field, um, about three years ago, and I'm not going to go into the reasons for it, but he quit. He quit completely. He quit to being a duomini. He quit to following the Lord. He, he now even denies the existence of God. He quit. And that is so sad. And we see people quitting along the way. And we are warned about this, about this quitting as well. Now, um, I just want to read here from Matthew 24, verse 13, because I think this is so important. Uh, and we must not miss this. We all know Jesus, when he spoke towards the end of his life on the end times, these are prophetic uh, words that he spoke about the things that we can expect of the end times. And uh, and we we often focus on the earthquakes and the famine and the, all the pestilence and all those things. So they're not important. You can do nothing about it. <laughs> uh, that, that That's going to happen in any case. But we sometimes don't read this portion in verse 13 where he says, but he who perseveres to the end will be saved. He who perseveres until the end will be saved. And just, just to remind ourselves, Jesus is not just speaking to the unbelievers. He's here speaking to the believers. He's speaking to primarily to his 12 disciples. And he's also speaking maybe to a, a, a bit larger group, maybe 100, maybe 120. But they are followers of him. And he says to them, you must persevere until the end so that you might be saved. So what he's actually saying is, if you don't persevere, you will not be saved. And that can throw the cat amongst the pigeons, among the theology of once saved, always saved. So think of those words, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just refer to that a bit later in uh, Revelation as well. But, you know, Jesus said there to the people, in the last days, there will be hardship. You will be persecuted. He said there will be apostasy, meaning you, there will be a falling away. Apostasy means apostasis in Greek. It means to move away from your original position. So you will fall away. There will be a fall away. And he's speaking to Christians here. There will be a fall away amongst the Christians. He said, you will, there will be false prophets. There are the people that will come to you and say, no, man, get in the bus. Quit this hard race that you are running. Those are the false prophets. They want to get you off the goal that you are wanting to achieve. There will be deception. And then uh, he also says that amongst the believers, there are the people that will grow cold because they don't adhere to the law anymore. They will become cold. So that's why he said to them, those who persevere until the end will be saved. Now I want to read from Philippians, uh, Timothy, sorry, Paul. Paul is writing here. Now, Paul has run the race. I think very few of us will have that privilege. We don't know when our time, when, you know, for each of us, there's a finish line. <laughs> My finish line might be today, it might be tomorrow, it might be in 10 years. So the same for you. We don't know when we will come to our finish line. And that's why we cannot be undisciplined. We cannot not persevere because we don't know when the end will come. And then we will be judged on where we are at that time. And Paul was in this wonderful privileged position because he knew he was going to be executed. In his last letter that he wrote, he, he wrote this portion of saying what, what's lying ahead for him. But then he writes this and he says, For I am already poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departing. That means his death. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Wow. What a wonderful position to be in, to know I finished the race. I remember 
you know, when when you come into the stadium of of uh, when you finish for comrades, you haven't finished. You have about four hundred meters to go. You might think you finished, and I've seen people that have collapsed. A very good friend of mine, her husband collapsed when he was coming into the stadium, and he died three days later. You don't know if you're going to get to the finish line. You only know that you finished the race once you've crossed the line. <laughs> then you can say, now I'm done. Paul knew that line was very close for him. And he knew I ran the race. I've done everything to what God has expected me so that I would be rewarded with the crown of glory. Now, uh, you have to compete according to the rules. I think that is what Paul also says to us very, very definitely. Now, I, I want us to just have a look at some of the portions in Revelation. <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, John wrote uh, to the angels of the seven churches. And what is very interesting, all those churches, except for the church of Philadelphia, Philadelphia seemed to have been the good church. There was not much that he could bring in against that church. But all the other churches, uh, uh, he said to them, oh, you're doing okay, you're doing this is good, this is, this is uh, not too bad. But then he says, but I have this against you. But in all seven churches, he says to them, but those who overcome, those who persevere, those who endure, I will reward. It's the whole issue again of perseverance and running the race and completing the race. Now, I want to read from two portions from Revelations. Uh, and the one is in, from Revelations 21. And again, let's just remind ourselves that what he's writing here is not to the unbelievers. The book of Revelation was written to the church, to the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ. So let's just listen here very carefully about what John is writing here in uh, Revelation 21. And I'm reading here from from verse uh, 6, the second half of verse 6. He says, To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink, without cost, from the spring of water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. He who overcomes. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and the liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Reward and consequence. The reward is, if you finish the race, I will reward you. If you don't finish the race, there's a consequence. Then I'd like to take you to Revelation 22, verses 12 to 15. Uh, Jesus is speaking. He's quoting Jesus. He says, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Brothers and sisters, these are harsh words. And if there's anything that I would like to you to grasp this morning, is for you to understand that um, we are running a race. You can't take anything for granted. The fact I was I was baptized as a as a baby. I went to Sunday school. I got all the uh, every year the little star that I had to put on a certificate. I was confirmed and accepted into the church. I became a member of a church. I was at one stage even a deacon. You know what? That was absolutely no, helped me nothing to achieve my spiritual victory to be with Jesus Christ. It was only in 1974. I was sitting in a church and the pastor said, if you would die tonight, where will you open your eyes? And then it hit me that I had no reason to believe that I will open my eyes in eternity. 
And by God's grace that evening, I could kneel down and I could accept Jesus as my Savior. I did it all on my own. And the next morning when I woke up, I just knew something has happened in my life. Something tremendous has happened in my life. I am a new person. And uh, and I praise God because it was all by grace. Nothing that I could achieve to do that. Now, I mentioned earlier the qualifications for comrades. Now, I want to just get to the qualifications for us to receive the eternal reward. First of all, you've got to enter this race. You've got to, and the way to enter this race is to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I've got nothing to bring. I can only be saved by grace. I'm coming empty-handed. I'm coming in humbleness. I've got absolutely nothing to, to give. Only thing that you can give is yourself and to accept Jesus as your Savior. What is the entry cost? It's free. Jesus has paid it with his blood. He's paid your price. You don't have to in, uh, pay a price to enter. It's been done for you. But the, the important thing is, like I mentioned with a human race, is you've got to get to the starting line. And the starting line for us, for every human being, because God's love is for the world. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, that those who believe in him will have eternal life. It's for the world. It's for everybody. Everybody, God wants to have everyone in this world reconciled to him. Even the most vile person that you can think of now, that you think would not earn should not become uh, a Christian. God loves him, and God wants to have a reconciliation with him. But you've got to start this race. And where do you start? You start with John 1.12, where, uh, where John writes, he says, for all that have received him, he has given them the right to become children of God. You've got to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your uh, King to enter. That's the entry of the race. That's the entry form. Uh, when Nicodemus came to Jesus in the night, he asked him about eternity, and Jesus said to him, you cannot only be born from the flesh, you've got to be born by the Spirit. You've got to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. That's the entry level. Now, I don't know you guys here this morning, and the ladies, uh, except for one or two, you are foreign to me. I don't know where you come from. I don't know where you, you are in this race at the moment. Uh, but I want to just mention to you, Paul writes about two, three types of people. Uh, and this you get towards the end of the second chapter of Corinthians and also the first couple of verses from chapter three. And he mentions three types of persons there. And he first talks about the worldly person. And he, he calls that the person without the Holy Spirit. That is the unsaved person. If you are lost, you haven't received the Holy Spirit. If you have received the Holy Spirit, you are saved. But he talks about the worldly person, the person that has never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. He does not have the Spirit, so he is lost. Then he talks about the spiritual person, and that is the person that has the Holy Spirit, who has been born again, that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. But then he talks about the third person. And maybe I'm speaking to you this morning. Uh, when I accepted the Lord in 74, for eight years, I was this third person, this fleshly person. Yes, I accepted Jesus, but I lived a carnal life. I lived like the world. I tried to achieve the goals of the world. I was running after the things of the world. Uh, and that's the person that also needs to get back on track. That's the person that must come back into the race, not to quit, but to run the race. And if... The wonderful thing is uh, that God in his grace has grace for the unsaved, but he also has grace for the carnal person. And when John wrote 1 John 1, 9, where he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That was also not written to the unbelievers. That was written to the believers. So, guys, we know we all stumble. We know somewhere along the line we may, may go astray. You, you might be there at the moment. I don't know. Uh, but you know what? I can say we cannot afford. 
We cannot afford not to run this race with perseverance with our eyes fixed on Jesus. We have to run this race with perseverance. And like Paul say, well, if I get to the end line, I know that the crown of glory will be there for me. So I don't know where you stand at this moment. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer for those people that might be still worldly, who don't have Christ in their life. I'm going to pray this prayer for the carnal people that uh, maybe have gone astray, have cooled down, have backslided or whatever you want to call it, but that needs to come back into this race to complete this race. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, who did everything for us on the cross, that uh, was prepared to leave his place of glory and to become a man. And more than that, he became a slave so that at the end of the day, he could serve us by dying on the cross so that we would not be judged. And we just want to say thank you, Jesus, that you were prepared to sacrifice yourself on our behalf. Thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten Son so that we could have eternal life. And if I'm not in the race, if I haven't entered the race, I want to come now before you and I want to ask Jesus, I want to make you the king of my life. I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Father, I want to be obedient to you. I want to be reconciled with you. I want to share in your glory. So I give my life to you this morning. And I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would come and make me new so that I can be one of the children of God, adopted by God to be his child. But Father, maybe this morning I'm here and I'm not where I should be in this race. I'm falling behind. I've gone astray. Maybe I've cooled off. Maybe I've turned again to the things of this world. But thank you that there is grace for me as well. Thank you that I can confess that this morning. Whatever is keeping me away from you at this moment, everything that has drawn me away from you, I want to confess. And I want to renew my vow that I want to follow you with all of my heart. I want to sacrifice my life again so that I can end up like Paul, finishing the race so that I can receive the reward that you have in store for me. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Uh, may the Lord uh, be the one that will continue to work in your life. Uh, it's worthwhile. I've run the race for more than 50 years. It's a good race. It's a race that I am looking forward to finish. And I trust that that would be your goal as well, that you would persevere and that you will be disciplined to run this race with your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our race. Thank you, Freak. Thank you, Blackie. That was, uh, that was an encouraging message. The big thing is don't quit. If you've started, don't quit. But thank you very much for that. Thank you very much again, Blackie. It was a word of encouragement. We're, we're having a, personally, we're having a tough week. Our factory's been standing since Monday because the substation blew up. And this morning I woke up really difficult, you know, because it is that thing, you know, it's the worldly thing. But, uh, you know, these people that's dependent on us uh, to make sure that we function. And uh, so, so just out of an earthly point of view, I could say almost, Thank you for the encouragement because the race is not uh, done. The whistle, the final whistle is not blown. Get out there, get into it. Don't quit. And then, of course, the 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 most important thing: spend that that discipline. Get up in the morning early and spend the time. It is it is the best investment of your day. Is that time spent um, in the Word and in prayer? Uh, there's nothing that beats it. Nothing. Nothing. Thank you again, Blackie. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Uh, what a special morning. And to all the listeners that's going to listen to this later, 
and the people that's going to download the podcast. This is uh, this is good. This is a good message. Thank you. Die transformatietafel wordt met trots geborgd door Maxflex Cables.